0: Hello and welcome to Women Travel, a podcast about the places women have been and the things they did there. This week I have Annie. Annie, how do you pronounce your last name? Sisson. Sisson. And Annie, how would you describe what your job is or what you do regarding travel? Uh, I do a lot of things, but I say that I am a travel
1: planner, uh, a travel consultant, and a travel educator
0: like that. And we're going to learn quite a bit. Uh, First off, do you have any quick little travel tips that you always try to keep in mind? Be flexible, always expect the unexpected
1: and uh, search for flights in incognito mode. Wait, why is that last one? Uh, Because it keeps the site that you're searching on from like tracking you specifically searching on there. So like if you search for the same flight multiple times, it doesn't like inflate the price because it's seen your ip address uh
0: searching multiple times so it still keeps it like legit real prices so it keeps it fresh rather than like kind of a a skeevy car dealership situation right like oh you've searched for this
1: these flights on these dates to this place like a bunch of times clearly you want them so now we'll tell you they're more because you're gonna buy them anyway
0: that's good to know thank you so annie you're a, a travel guide travel educator how many countries would you say that you've been to? I like, this is almost a, I don't want to make, this is almost a qualifications question, but I just want uh, listeners to know, like, I guess an an impression of what your life has been so far.
1: Okay. I will tell you, I don't actually count countries. Um, (laughs) You don't count
0: stamps in the passport?
1: Nope. I don't. Because My two days that I spent in Spain is not the same as the two months that I spent in Bosnia. So to say that I've been to X number of countries may not actually be a fair representation of what I know about a place or what my experience has been in a place. So I think I'm somewhere around 40-ish. I don't actually know.
0: Okay. Nice. And uh, so your expertise when we were talking last time, uh, what areas or what regions do you tend to uh, feel the most confident about? Definitely
1: Europe. For whatever reason, life has just pushed me back there over and over again. I have actively tried to plan trips to other continents, other places, and like just weird little things happen that make it not come together. And so... Yeah, I've just spent the vast majority of my travels all across Europe.
0: And then, so with this last year, what have you been doing, um, I guess, as a, uh, maybe a band-aid or maybe like a substitute for like the wanderlust that I know that you've, you experienced quite a bit?
1: Uh, I've actually had to like, during the COVID times, I had to do zero travel things. Like it was it was just too it was too painful like people asked me to do virtual travel events or different things like that and i was like i can't like my heart is so broken i cannot mm. even think about it so i went back to coaching so i have done business coaching and empowerment coaching for women in the past and so i spent the last year and a half doing that before you know the world started coming back to life and now we can do travely things again a little bit things.
0: I feel like there's a lot of bravery in acknowledging that like something kind of hurts too much right now and to just take a step back from that. Uh, So I just want to say, I'm really impressed by that choice um, to do what's best for you. It sounds like.
1: Uh, Yeah. I don't even feel like it was a choice. It was just like, there was that part of me just like, nope. It's almost like, um, like the best analogy I can come up with is like, it's like a tourniquet. Like I had to like cut off the blood flow to that part of myself, or I was not gonna be okay. So I just had yeah. to like,
0: nope, we can't go there. Um, so now you're vaccinated. Uh and so you're planning a trip to Scotland. And so kind of can you tell me about what your what your goal is with that project and how I know that there's a YouTube video online for people who want to learn more. Um, but yeah, how would you explain the Scotland trip that you're setting up as a guide or setting as a guide for? I, I just
1: believe that there is magic when women gather together. Mm -hmm. And I think that especially when we are in a space that's outside of our everyday kind of experience and life and, um, I mean, obviously I love travel and I've always wanted to take women with me. Like I want to take people with me and not in like a traditional tour group kind of way, because that is not my jam. So I wanted to create a different kind of experience for women so that the hard parts are taken care of. Like, you know, they show up with their suitcase and they don't have to worry about managing all of the logistics of where we're going to stay and what we're going to do and you know, how we're going to get from place to place and all of that stuff, so that they really get to just be present and not think about all of the things that, you know, women are like 80% of the travel decision makers and the travel planners. And so, you know, when they are on vacation, they are still doing all of the work. So I wanted to give them a space where they didn't get, they didn't have to do that. And we really just got to be like, this is a trip with your girlfriends. Like I do not have an itinerary of like, we're doing this at 9am and we're doing this at noon. Nope. You're doing whatever you want. If that's going to the castle. Great. If that's sitting in a pub, drink beer all afternoon, that's fine. Like whatever. But I want, I want it to be both our experience that we create together and your experience of the place on your, you know, whatever that looks like for you, also, and that, yeah, there's going to be, you know, like we've got a couple of dinners and we're gonna we're taking a road trip, so we're gonna be in the van together, uh, you know, road tripping through the highlands, which is going to be super fun, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just wanted it to be, yeah, like a road trip with your soon-to-be seven
0: best girlfriends. I love that, and it sounds like uh, very much like you're offering kind of a uh, mental. A vacation, you know, without that decision fatigue um, that a lot of women just are constantly dealing with. Sometimes it's not obvious, but it's very clear that part of your mission is to empower women to travel. Why do you think that is such a priority?
1: I think it's important for women to get out into the world because, I mean, for so many reasons... But you can't go on these experiences and not have it change you. Like it, you reach the end of something like this, and you you see yourself differently. You have become a different person, and you can't help but wonder what else is possible. Like I just did this thing. I am a total badass. Yes, I am. And what else can I do? Because for women, especially, you know, I mean, I think this is across the world, this is. Um, yeah, it's a global. This is just how it is that we are given so many more limitations in what we can do, what we're supposed to do, what we are capable of, what inspires us. Like we are shown just even fewer career paths, right? As mm-hmm. we are growing up and going and seeing other places just gets you thinking about yourself and your life differently. And I yeah. think it's really imp- important for women, especially, to see more possibilities for themselves.
0: I love that. It's, yeah, it's a, uh, the reflection of kind of the global colonization that we, we're all a part of that uh, kind of allows us to step out of it and see it in a different angle. Um, <laughs> I really like that you touched on, uh, I guess, that it's a global attitude about women as well. You know it. I know it. We live it. All, we live it, every <laughs> we live it. Yeah. There's no,
1: I mean, I've never met a woman who is not aware of this. We, I mean, we all know this. We're put it, we're given smaller boxes to play in. We're given, you know, just le- fewer options and mm-hmm. traveling, especially solo. I'm a huge advocate for solo travel gives you so much more confidence to be like,
0: mm, I see that box. You want to put me in? Nope. I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. Moving on. We'll dodge it yeah uh, and so, if people were nervous about like their first trip going solo, they could definitely contact you and then get advice and, absolutely.
1: I yeah. love helping women travel, especially if they want to take a solo trip.
0: fantastic. uh what are some of the common concerns that you get from clients about travel or safety or there is a lot and like I'm that. gonna talk about this
1: because it's one of the irritants <laughs> um. <laughs> yes especially for women traveling solo there's so much uh, there's so much around safety and i think i have lost count a long time ago the number of blog posts and podcasts and media shit that i have seen about this is how you have to be safe you know as a woman traveling alone let me tell you what you need to be to do to be safe as a woman traveling alone use your brain like that's it like pay attention I think like I get that a lot of that is with good intention putting that information out there, but I, th- but I feel like it feeds the fear that women see so many of these articles and so much of this out there about being safe. So they assume that for some reason it must not be safe if everybody's talking about this. And it and has that a counter effect, effect. Right. I think it has the opposite effect. That couldn't be further from the truth. I have yet, knock on wood, I have yet to be in a situation where I don't feel safe, like, I don't, use your brain, and, you know, pay attention, and some street smarts, and, you know, don't do stupid shit, but, like, this isn't, it's not rocket science, it's the same thing that you would do walking home at night in this where you live, like, it is not some new crazy thing, Mm -hmm. so that's one of the big misconceptions, and it drives me crazy when I see yet another post about how to stay safe while traveling alone, ladies,
0: like you, you don't, it's not, this is not that hard. Yeah. Do you get concerns that are kind of like, it sounds like, um, almost xenophobia, like afraid of other people kind of, kind of concerns. Do you, um, have a response that you typically go to with that? Oh yeah. By far the place I've felt the most unsafe
1: is right here in my home country. We're the most violent country. One of the most violent countries on the planet. Mm -hmm. Don't you worry about going to Europe? You'll be fine. (laughs) It'd be fine way fewer guns um yeah like Mm -hmm. everywhere like here's an example i will give you this story so i was in croatia and this was on so my six i did a six week solo trip through the balkans in 2015 and i was at a campground in croatia um i was camping there in my little tent you know all by myself and it was this lovely campground the hosts made like their own plum schnapps and they had sheep in the back pasture that they made cheese from yeah and so we're all sitting around at night so it was like myself and there was like a couple from the Netherlands and a couple from Chile and a couple from Germany we're having a great time like drinking all the plum schnapps eating all the sheep's milk cheese laughing I mean I was paid for it the next morning but um, yeah (laughs) but the next morning and how many people were I, I mean, concerned about my safety going on this trip. Right. Like I
0: heard it from everybody. Oh, can you do that? Is it safe? Yeah, it is. Watch me. Um, <laughs> I like that attitude is just like, should be basically your whole brand where it's just like, yeah, it is. Watch me.
1: Uh huh. That that's, that's my jam. Like you think I can't watch me. I'll be fine. <laughs> um, Love it. But so I had that night and then the next morning I wake up to, you know, see on social media, the, the news about the Charleston shooting. Like mm-hmm. y'all are worried about me. My why do you think that? These people are just going to church. You're worried about me. Drop nah. You got you got way more problems at home you a than lot more I need to worry about here. Mm-hmm. So yes, that is one of those hot button issues for me. Like yeah, it's safe.
0: Yeah, and I think encouraging like facing that fear that xenophobia would you know causes people to look back and be like oh we got the domestic issues are the issues that we need well, to th- pay attention to.
1: Yeah. And I, I think yeah. that, I mean, I think that it's not even so much xenophobia as mm-hmm. much as it's just the fear of the unknown. They don't know what to expect. They don't know what it's going to be like. They don't know, you know, they just, it's uncertainty. This is new. This is a little scary. Like I would be lying if I said that I too am scared when I go on these trips, not because I think I'm unsafe, but mostly like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. This is new for me too. This is outside of my comfort zone. I'm going to do it anyway, but there's never not a time when I don't have that little bit of fear about like, I'm just like hopping on a plane, going to some place and this is going to be fine. Right?
0: Yeah. So for example, like with the Eastern Europe, you're talking about um, like, Slavic countries that have a lot of, uh, languages that aren't commonly known. So what did you, there's an example of like, what did you do about the language barrier? Oh boy, wasn't that fun. (laughs) Like, um, you know, so like trying to
1: do my laundry and the, the hostess, the only language she speaks is Croatian or German. And well, my German is not very good. Uh, so she, it's a lot of pointing and, you know, we figure it out. We put a lot of stake on the language barrier also, but like, I didn't go, I didn't know more than like, hello, thank you, please. And I'm pretty sure that's, oh, and beer, you know, when Ah. I went, yeah, figured out how to say beer real fast. Um, (laughs) But I didn't know how to say anything other than that for that entire six weeks in any of the countries that I visited most people like- are kind and, you know, speak some amount of English, but we humans are resourceful. We point at,
0: you know, we figure it out. Do you feel like you still got a sense of the culture? And like, did you, did you, I guess, how connected did you feel without the language? Because that's a long time to go without being able to just word vomit, I guess.
1: It is. And it is, <laughs> let me tell you, when I went on that solo trip, I was not the thing that I was most concerned about or most, you know, nervous and afraid of was not the whole like driving myself around a bunch of countries and not speaking language. I was way, way more nervous about like that is six weeks alone with me and my brain.
0: Yes. That is uh,
1: just me and myself. That's the thing I was the most nervous about. I won't even lie about it. I was like, Oh my God, what have I done? This is six weeks alone with myself and Hands down, one of the best things I've ever done for myself. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's not that you don't. This is one of the things I love about solo travel is that you have so many more opportunities to connect with the destination than when you're traveling with other people. Because, you know, like walking around the town. If you're with a traveling companion, you're talking to that person, you're pointing at these things. You guys are having your own experience together when it's just you you're in the moment, you're way more open to making those connections with local people, having those conversations, you know, you don't need a ton of same language to, you know, get the point across. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually had a ton of really great interactions. I have made friends from that trip that I still stay in touch with. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the language barrier, it happens sometimes,
0: but, it's really not as much of a thing as you might think. So there was an interview with the traveling spud and she was talking about how like through hostels and stuff, she would end up, you know, making good friends with a lot of traveling people as well. And I was wondering about that. What was your, I guess, um, do you feel like there was a balance or was it pretty even between meeting locals or meeting just other people traveling um, when you were out and about? Um, It's kind of a mix. Like,
1: yeah you know, for that particular, for that particular trip, I was camping, but, um, in others I've stayed in hostels and I did do hostels for part of it. Once I got into the part of Europe where it was just as cheap to get a hostel bed as a campground. Um, but yeah, it was really a mix of, you know, locals, like whether it's shopkeepers or the people I'm like renting my little space from or whatever to, yeah, like one, um, in Sarajevo they put another girl in the room with me it was just the two of us but we ended up like road tripping from there to Budapest Budapest together like she was headed that way anyway her bus was going to take her 36 hours so I was like well I'm driving so you could just like come with me if you want a little
0: bit shorter yeah yeah so it was really it's really a mix fair enough and it like depends on what you expose yourself to it sounds like
1: Absolutely. It's you're the driver. Like you get to have as much interaction as you want. You get to, you know, like I had days where I didn't really talk to anybody at all for Mm -hmm. except for like maybe going to get some food at the grocery store or whatever. But that like I didn't have full conversations with anybody. Yeah. That's what I that's what I love about the solo travel too is that you you get to decide. You can interact and connect as much as you want to, or you can really like go inward and have that alone time,
0: that solitude, uh, Mm -hmm. if that's what you're craving. When you were in the Balkans, did you go there with kind of like a history bend or did you go there like seeking something in particular? Was there a goal in mind with that trip?
1: (laughs) Um, no, the only thing I had oh lord sometimes I still like think about the trip I'm like did I really do that that's insane so before I left the insane about it yeah because the only thing I'd booked the only thing I knew that was happening when I left here was I had I was flying in and out of Prague and Mm -hmm. I had three nights of hostel booked for when I landed and three nights before I flew home so that like I know where I'm staying and I had a rental car for five and a half weeks yeah I didn't even know like I was the the morning I they were the night before they were bringing me my rental car in Prague I was like I don't know where I'm going tomorrow um, <laughs> I'd been asking around like I met a lady on the bus my first night who had given me some good info I'd been talking to like my servers and things along the way but like I didn't know I knew I wanted to head south but I was also like I mean let's just see what feels right so the only big goal I had was. Uh, Plitvice Lakes National Park in Croatia, like those turquoise, I am a nature lover, the turquoise waters, those, you know, the, those cascading waterfalls everywhere. All of the pictures I had ever seen were just like, oh, I gotta go there. So that was really that in the coastline of Croatia, you know, was really kind of the inspiration for the trip. So it was like, I mean, I assume at some point I will head in that direction. Uh, but outside of that, I really didn't have a plan. How did camping in Europe work? Oh, it's so it's so great. I've done it quite a few times. It's so nice. Like if you're going in the summer and you are an outdoor lover and that kind of thing, it's A, you want to save some budget. Hell yes, it is. I mean, I don't think I paid more than $10 a night anywhere for a camp spot. And they're everywhere. Like you'll see the little tent signs everywhere. Every If you are sleeping, if you're willing to sleep in a tent, if you are cool with this, like yeah. any campground will be like, there's a patch of grass right there. Go ahead. Like I, it's so easy and the campgrounds are so much nicer than here in the U S like imagine they actually get funding. Uh, well they're mostly private. They're mostly private privately owned. Um, but it's like, they all have shower blocks and running water. And some of them have a place to do your laundry. Some of them have like a concession place where you can like get snacks and beer and whatever. Like it's like your KOA, but for ten dollars like it's so I love camping in Europe I'm a huge fan okay saves a ton of money and if you're going somewhere like if you want to go out into the countryside out into the nature it's a great way to save a ton of money
0: did you bring a tent with you or did you you brought one with you or did you buy it there no
1: I brought it with me I have a little one person tent (laughs) I, okay. I joke and maybe this is morbid, but it's like, call it my coffin tent. Cause that's like all That's what they
0: look like though. It's like yeah. enough
1: for my body. Yeah. But it was fine. Cause I had the rental car. So, mm-hmm. you know, I could just leave my backpack or whatever in there. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I've got that in my sleeping bag. So I did check a bag. Cause I had to check a bag to fit all my camping gear. So that was like an extra, what, like $50 to check a bag. But the difference between, you know, what I pay, Uh, every freaking night, the whole trip (laughs) makes up for the difference. And I get to like, get out into the boonies and see some really cool places that most
0: people don't take the time to go. That sounds like something that like, I really want to move towards personally is like getting more into the camping, getting more into like, what would the people who live here do on vacation? Um, totally. Yeah. And you'll
1: go to those campgrounds and, you know, like in the Balkans, Uh, you know, there was lots of people with their motorhomes that had driven from across the continent, you know, people from like the Netherlands and France and Germany or whatever, but this is where they come on vacation. Ah,
0: I love that. I also, uh, from personal experience camping, highly recommend bringing a deck of cards. That is the best way that I've ever made friends. Just camping. You can talk to any stranger. If you're like, Hey, you want to play cards? You seem interesting. Let's play a game. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yes. I spent plenty of time with my
0: Kindle. (laughs) Uh-huh. like could fit like a zillion books on that. Sounds a little tiny Kindle. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Because you know, talking about that solitude of just like wanting mm-hmm. to chill and chill in nice places and read books uh, sounds like a fantastic time. Yeah, it was.
1: It was <laughs> great. Like, I mean, I would do that. Just go to a cafe, take my, you know, throw my book in my little day yeah. bag, and go get a coffee and sit and read a book and watch the world go by. And like, yeah, this is all right. It's a way to do it. What is your favorite travel book, or do you have a favorite? Ooh, favorite travel book. That's a good question. One that I read, uh, one of my girlfriends bought it for me, and it was really interesting. It's called Lunatic Express, and it is, yeah, it's this guy, he's a journalist. It's been a few years, so I may not remember the details, but basically, he goes around the world and uses like the sketchiest transportation, like what the locals use. You know, when you hear about people getting killed on a train in India or people drowning on a boat in Jakarta or whatever, and he goes and takes these, you know, goes on these methods of transportation that, you know, he has been writing about or hearing about for all this time. And it was really, really interesting to hear his perspective um, and kind of what he learned through that experience of traveling like the people they're doing having to use those methods of transportation it was really interesting
0: my mind immediately goes to that like there's kind of it's hard to experience something like that without like judging the circumstances that requires the use of that like of of such dangerous you know daily modes of commuting and so I'm wondering does he come from like is he just very objective is he a little bit judgmental what do you like what would you say the tone is in that book
1: I felt like it was way more curiosity. Like what is life like in this place that requires that this is what people are using, you know, need to use, have to use, whatever it was. I felt like it was way, I didn't feel like it was judgmental. I felt like it was way more trying to give people perspective about like what life is like in these places where this is the mode of transportation. And this is, and talking about the people that he met where like, this guy has to go back and forth on this boat, you know, however many times a week to make his livelihood, you know. Um, So I didn't feel like it was, I didn't feel like it was judgmental. I felt like it was way more of just kind of an observation of Mm -hmm. like, okay, what's this about? Why, why do these things happen? And what's life like in these places where this is the transportation or this is what people have to use to, you know, get through their daily
0: lives. All right. Lunatic Express. I like that. I'll have to check that out. Um, and then lastly, what is something that you're hopeful about?
1: Oh, man. After know, COVID. It's a tough just,
0: pull. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right now, I'm just hopeful that these plane tickets I just booked last week that are we're going to, yes, we're going to yes. actually leave the United States again. This is the longest it has been since 2008. This is the longest it has been since I have left the country. So I am super hopeful that that's happening.
0: I gotta ask you. So personally for me, airports have still not lost their, I guess, weirdness. Like an airport is the strangest place to be. And I was wondering about that. Do you still like airports or are you kind of like over them? Airports? I'm fine with economy seats on a plane less fun. (laughs) that's a good point
1: yeah yeah I love the airport experiences I love like all right I'm through security it's time to like get a drink and relax and like this is where the adventure starts is at the airport where this is like okay here we go we're going we're going on an adventure yeah still totally love the airport and then once I get on the plane things are less fun a little claustrophobic for sure I have really long legs and so economy oh. seats are really uncomfortable. Oof. And yeah. I'm also, you know, I'm a budget traveler. The idea of paying more money for,
0: for sometimes I will I'll pay for an exit row. Like I'll pay a little more money to have some leg room. But yeah. Or you get the true golden ticket, which you can't pay for. And that's when you end up being on one of the emergency Ah, oh. uh, Yes.
1: That's or the or golden yourself ticket. like I know I've, for one of my, this upcoming flight, I have booked, you know, one seat in a two seat row and I am like keeping my fingers crossed that nobody
0: else takes that seat. Yes. <laughs> Fabulous. That's a good, that's good. Um, optimism. And I hope you have a fantastic birthday trip. That sounds very cool. Uh, can you remind me where are you going again? So I
1: am spending 38 days. I am starting in Albania for about two weeks. And then uh, up through Montenegro, I'll spend about a week there. And then I'm going to meet my husband in Dubrovnik. And then we'll take a bus to Sarajevo and fly to Istanbul for my Actual 40th birthday.
0: Istanbul and Constance. I know. <laughs>
1: I know. I can't wait to be there. And, like, can I, am I, is it, are they going to throw me out if I, like, sing that song and do that dance can somewhere? You that mean,
0: <laughs> like, at least in your hotel, like, do something with that. <laughs> I'm going to have to. Yeah. Now, now yes. I won't be able to not. <laughs> well, fabulous. Thank you so much for your time, Annie. And I hope you have, uh, I hope we can touch base after your birthday trip. That, I would love to hear more about it. Totally. That would be great. Let's do it. In review, make sure to use incognito mode when you're searching for airfare, and uh, it is the Plit Vice. Lakes National Park in Croatia that Annie was going to, as well as Lunatic Express, is the book to keep an eye out for. If you want to learn more about Annie and just chat with her, get to know her travel guide ideas, or to even find out about this upcoming Scotland trip that she's planning for women, go ahead and go to Into the Bold. Again, that's IntoTheBold.com. I'm a big fan of what she's doing over there. There's also a YouTube. Link that will be in the description. There's gonna be all sorts of stuff in the show notes regarding this show, future shows questions that I think you might have, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, Feel free to reach out over Instagram. I'll be at women travel podcast on Instagram. Feel free to email us if you have any comments, questions, or if you have anyone in mind that you think should be interviewed. That would be at travel at gmail.com. Women is always inclusively spelled with an X. And lastly, I want to say thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. You may have noticed that my... I was a little bit sick, and I'm still a little bit sick. Uh, Due to the weather and certain things going on with the sky being on fire all the time, um, my throat's just a little messed up, and so that's a stinker. So we keep moving forward. We keep trying to be hopeful. We keep trying to make the change that we want to see in the world, and as a part of that, I'll see you in two weeks. Travel well, my friends.